Ohio State rolls over the Hoosiers. Maybe the running game is fixed, except all the running backs are injured. What does it mean for the game two weeks from now? We'll talk about it all in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance alongside Johnny Getter. Johnny, let's start with Indiana. Ohio State steams ahead 56-14, improving to 10-0. I think the game the Buckeyes pitched against the Hoosiers was the one everybody expected to see a week ago in Illinois against Northwestern. A dominant performance start to finish. Tell me what you liked about this game uh, Saturday in the Horseshoe. Well, I mean, you know, you got to like the running game. Right. Reviving a little bit, getting over 350 yards on the ground. Pretty sick. Uh, and that's even with, you know, chop getting hurt. You've got, a, you know, down Dallin kind of comes in, gets 100 yards. You got Xavier Johnson pulling off that crazy run for over 70 yards. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely getting the running game back and 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 having it, you know, make such an impact was was pretty cool to see. Um, you know, the injuries are concerning. I mean, I'm not gonna lie; like, it, I think it's pretty clear at this point. And granted, you haven't seen a whole lot of Henderson this year, and and maybe that's just not fair to to him to make this statement. But I got to feel like Chop is is pretty clearly the best running back on the team. Um, and which is, I mean, kind of hilarious because nobody would have really predicted that coming into, you know, maybe last season or even this season. Um, but you got to get those guys healthy. And hopefully this is one of those situations where you play Maryland, you can rest these guys and and maybe, I don't know, rely a little bit more on down and, and hopefully, um, you know, get them ready to go for the mission game. But Overall, that was what you want to see out of an Ohio State team playing in conditions that, you know, weren't gale force winds. We're not dealing with, you know, literal uh, tropical storm force winds to prevent the passing game from doing anything. But you wanted them to be able to play against an overmatched team, especially at home um, in, in colder weather. You wanted them to look good, and they did. They looked really, really good. They looked like the team that I think everybody has expected them to be. And, uh, and of course, you have the cherry on top at the very end there with, with Cam Babb getting the touchdown. So I all, overall, I mean, this was this was a sick game. Everything went as as planned, minus the injuries. It was a it was a really good time. It, it was a much more <laughs> much more uh worthy use of my three hours on a Saturday, I think, than uh than the Northwestern game. One of the things I thought about as I was watching this game Saturday as it unfolded, uh, you know, with the snow flurries flying, not that really anything stuck in central Ohio, other parts of Ohio, there was there was snow on the ground for a little while. Yeah. Uh, but but with the wind and it just felt wet outside a lot of the the afternoon that day, you know, it wasn't actively precipitating all of the time, but it it just felt damp and wet and and cold and so on. But I thought, you know, this sort of underscores the idea of what people were saying when they were using the weather as a quote unquote excuse in the Northwestern game, mm-hmm. that, that the conditions in Evanston really were ridiculous uh, because Ohio state comes, you know, into the shoe and it's cold and wet and, and snowish rain, whatever. And they looked fantastic. So it's, you know, it wasn't that, Oh gosh, they can't play in, terrible weather it was when they're not playing in biblical conditions uh right they they do just fine let's go to the running game uh one of the things that jumped out at me wasn't just um how crisp chopped looked 
running the ball. He's looked great most of the year running the ball. The adjustments made both in personnel and some of the things we talked about with Kyle Jones a week ago on the offensive line, credit to those guys because, and, and uh, I'll include uh, Kate Stover uh, and, and the wide receivers in that as well. I saw a much improved blocking uh, out of that running. Especially uh, out of Kate Stover, man. Like that was a dude who I think, you know, we hyped up a lot at the beginning of the season and then kind with, of falling off reason. a little bit. Yeah, and I think I think he had a great game against Indiana. I think I think he played very well. Yeah, it looked good. Looked good blocking uh and and obviously two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh three catches, two of which were touchdowns, and that last one, you know, where he wills himself, right. pays out yeah. across the goal line, stretches it out. Uh I mean that was beautiful it, because Marvin Harrison Jr., who we're going to spend a lot of time talking about, is is now known for doing these insane catches where, oh, my God, how did he keep in bounds? Uh, and he had one of those Saturday. There's just Garrett got some fantastic pictures uh, of that catch in particular. Stover, you know, he had a similar one there. He's got that left hand down and stretching across the goal line over top of the defender. I, I just I loved it. That that was uh, a beautiful play. Um, Ohio State was still was was already rolling. You know, game was probably well in hand by that point. But um, good game for him. But also good game for him blocking. But back to the offensive line. I I really thought uh, some of the changes they made there um, in terms of personnel. Of course, Juan Jones was not available, mm-hmm. uh, so it sort of necessitated some of that. But but the guys who were on the field, I thought, really did a much much better job as a unit of of blocking the run than what they had the three weeks previous yeah they absolutely did and you know i'm sure that they were basically told in no uncertain terms in the last week that this is a a point of emphasis something that they needed to correct to rectify and i think they did i think they absolutely did and you know the thing is though is that obviously (laughs) even against maryland it doesn't really matter who else i mean all of this is moot unless you can kind of replicate that against in some form against michigan so you know you want them to keep rounding into form even if you don't have all your guys back at least the offensive line you want them to get up to the second level and not whiff on blocks and you want you know guys who are blocking like stover and, and mitrasi to to make sure that they finish what they're doing um you see that and if you see that against maryland whether or not they run for 350 yards really is kind of irrelevant because then you can at least feel confident that they might be able to replicate that against the wolverine so that's i i really like seeing that as well and um yeah they they came out a little nasty and you want that you want you want that attitude particularly in you know mid to late november yeah and i feel like they probably you know knew they needed to show something too right yeah, yeah. Uh, coming back home certainly helps with that you know this is a team that played its first what five games at home hadn't really had to be on the road a bunch mm-hmm. um and so getting to come back home after uh a couple road games certainly is not not bad i think there were some interesting discussions too had about the communication that part of the problem the guys looked much crisper off the line cuz maybe that after the hostile environment of uh happy valley versus penn state the the wind situation in evanston uh they could actually hear each other and get the snap count and and be a little more crisper right. off the ball i think i think there's something to be said for that too yeah i think so i mean it's a lot of it is communication and making sure that the timing is right and all that kind of stuff and that's you know and that's why last week i was still 
I said that I'm I'm a little hesitant to say that you know you're playing soft or whatever because all these guys are enormous human beings who are slamming into other guys you know pretty violently for the course of a 60 minute game. So it's it, it I I think they're all plenty tough. Sometimes it is just knowing how and where and when to apply that that violence. And so hopefully that they were able to you know, get something straightened out and, and that's going to be a consistent thing in the next couple of weeks. So um, overall, really fun game to watch for a number of reasons um, and, and definitely kind of a complete performance that Ohio State fans wanted to see. How concerned are you about the running back depth injury situation at this stage? Is this, is this DEFCON 1 or is this, ah, it'll be fine. Uh, I'm pretty concerned. I I mean, honestly, like on a scale of one to 10, I would probably put this at like a six and a half or a seven, because I'll, I'll be honest with you. I know that Ryan day is like, Oh yeah, these guys will be fine for Michigan. And maybe, maybe that's like, they'll be Michigan fine where, you know, technically they would be allowed to play football, <laughs> but under normal circumstances would be out for three or four weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, I really do believe that, um, You've got to play a complete offensive game against Michigan. And, and if you do that, uh, you have a really good chance of beating them because I don't know that they're necessarily capable of, of keeping up with a team that can, that can score at will. Um, but you gotta, you gotta have the, the horses to do that. And, um, you know, if you get to a point where you're playing, you know, uh, a, a second game of the century, against Michigan and you're out your two starters and then you know your third guy was you know out before the season even started and you're you know relying on down hey and not to not in hate on him or, or Xavier Johnson but like I don't know man I as much as I think they're talented it, it you can't replicate what you're getting out of chop right now a guy who's averaging like well over six yards carry like that's it, it really would be huge if he can get back and be healthy um, for that game. I, I think that's an issue. I really do. And and the interesting thing too, you know, I was listening to Joel Klatt talk about the difference between Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson. And he, he kind of harkened back to, you know, Ohio state struggled. I mean, the, the year Trey Sermon had his breakout year, mm-hmm. uh, was that 19, whatever year it was that, that Sermon had the huge, you know, runs down the stretch. The, the year's kind of running together on me now. Um, but he talked about, Clatt talked about how, you know, they had to figure out how to match the run game to the personnel. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you, you got Sermon kind of finally running north and south downhill, things really, you know, came together. And right. the running game looked fantastic. But Ohio State hadn't had a great running game kind of all season long up until that kind of big stretch down the last three, four games. And when Sermon all of a sudden was a household name, you're like, oh my God, he's going to play his way into a draft pick. He's so good. You know, and and Clyde talked about, hey, you know, that's what Ohio State is kind of seems to be figuring out here that, hey, Chop's a guy, let's get him running north and south. Let's get him running, you know, not not trying to get him out to the outside and do some cutesy poo stuff. On the other hand, Henderson maybe is a little better if we're sending him outside and and getting him out around the ends and uh trying to stretch the field a little bit so i thought that was a really interesting point that these two guys have very different skill sets so if they're both healthy in two weeks ryan day talking on his show on uh wbns fm uh monday said you know yeah we need the room to be at full capacity if we're going to achieve our goals 
aces we uh i think we can do that in pretty short order but he kind of put it on the guys that they have to do a great job with rehab and making sure they're doing uh they're doing their part you don't need either of those guys at Maryland. I think you're right about that. Um, I've been kind of interested that you hadn't seen more Dallin Hayden up to this point, other than like when they absolutely had to have him. Because when he's been in, I feel like he's been really good. He has been really good. I I think when it comes to that though, a lot of times I really do think that uh, coaches don't necessarily trust guys to not turn the ball over and I, I honestly think that's a huge part of it is like can you hold on to the ball like great you're you're showing some explosiveness you can do some things can you hold on to the ball and I honestly think that like a guy like even Xavier Johnson if if Ryan Day believes that he's less likely to fumble the ball they will give the ball to the sure-handed dude than the guy that they think is going to hit home runs um and granted you know not like Xavier Johnson's incapable of doing that we just saw that but for them, I think, particularly at this point in the season, they're mostly worried just about consistency. Um, and, you know, especially when a team, that's the other aspect of this, had until I think really against Indiana really struggled in those short yarded situations. And even sometimes against Indiana, um, you want a guy who's capable of doing that and, and can really get into the the scrum without you worrying about a them losing five yards or b them fumbling the ball so um i don't know you would you would hope that you would have something like that figured out at this point in the season but um i, I can understand why they have been reluctant to rely on some of these guys before that hayden though i mean i, I feel like they've got enough they've got enough uh date on him that it's time to not be afraid to use him uh Indiana he's game. so shifty in the open field that's what i really yeah. love about that guy is that he's just got he he has one of those abilities and it's the same thing that you would see with guys like you know zekiel or jk david like they just run away from dudes like it's not mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like with chop where you just seek out contact and you're gonna pinball your way through the entire defense it's like oh no i found this angle and, and you're gonna have to you know if you're gonna track me down it's gonna be 25 yards down the field I love that. I think that's great. Hayden in the Indiana game, you know, 19 carries, 102 yards, which worked out to be almost five and a half yards per carry. Pretty good. Michigan State game, it was 14 carries, 70 yards, which worked out to be five yards a carry. Pretty good. Uh, The Toledo game was 17 carries, 108 yards. That was almost six and a half yards per carry. So, um, you know, yeah, you want mine Williams and Travion Henderson carrying the load. You want both those guys to be healthy. You're going to need them versus Michigan, but I'm feeling pretty good about the third option on the menu at this stage. I I feel like he's yeah against Maryland. I I think you're, Oh yeah. I'm not worried at all about Maryland, but I'm like, even at a pinch, you know, if, if, if one a and one B, if one of them goes down during the Michigan game, I feel pretty good that Hayden's the guy behind it. We've got enough film on him now that I'm not, I'm not like, Oh God, we're screwed. Oh, sure. Um, You know, speaking of guys who run away from the defense, how how about Professor X, Xavier Johnson, uh, (laughs) and that nifty little run? That's a really good nickname. We got to stick with that. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to take 100% credit on that. But you should. How how about that run he had? Oh, that's what I'm Uh, talking about, though. I love that. Talking about a guy, I mean, he made everybody on that defense miss. Yeah, and it wasn't like it wasn't a Braxton Miller thing where you're you're juking dudes in a phone booth. It was just, all right, I'm going here. Nope, I'm, and he's like calculating the trajectories and the angles in his head, and it's like they just never had a shot at him. It wasn't even close. Um, that was a that was probably my favorite play. Um, like, at least in, in terms of raw like football skill, that was a really really fun. Um, 
uh, play to watch. Although, I mean, a lot of what Marvin Harrison was doing was well. <laughs> I was going to mention Marvin Harrison in conjunction in in conjunction with that Xavier Johnson touchdown because uh, Fox tweeted a great clip, a great little replay, specifically of Marvin Harrison Jr.'s block yeah, during right, that yes. touchdown run when yeah. you know he just he just flat decleats a guy right i mean it was it was gorgeous like harrison you know harrison hit that guy like you know he tried to steal his lunch money or something I mean, it yeah. was it was really good and uh, you know to me and i want to finish up on the running game before we go to marvin sure. harrison but to me it was another reason why i think harrison really is the best wide receiver in college football we'll come back to him in a minute i want to finish up though on the running game third and short yeah, continues to be a problem for this football team, uh, and and I got to say it's it's driving me crazy. Ryan Day said after the game, you know, he feels like he's banging his head against the wall. Um, <laughs> he said we got to get better movement. We need to run harder. We need to get the first down. And I want to say, you know, Coach, um, I saw your play call on fourth and one from the seventeen when Ohio State turned the ball over on downs. Uh, and trust me, I'm ready to bang my head against the wall too, coach. Yeah. At some point, it's one thing to just keep saying, yeah, we're really frustrated about that. But, but at some point you, you have to just, it's, it's put up or shut up. I, yeah. Why on earth when the rest of the running game really came together very, very nicely during this game, they continued to struggle in short yard situations, two for seven on third and fourth down conversions of attempts of two yards or less against Indiana. That's nuts. Yeah. They, they got to figure out a way to be a little more creative and not just, you know, run it up to get, you know, it's one thing if you're was, you know, Wisconsin and the, the Pete Barry Alvarez there are fine, go jumbo, go straight. I form it. And then that'll, then you can do it. It's fine. But uh, that's not all how Ohio State's offense functions. And when an opposing defense watches them do that, they know exactly what Ohio State's going to do. There's no mystery. So they just tee off. And it's not – the problem is is that you're not really playing to your strengths. That is an offense. Yes, you need to be able to convert short yard situations with the running game. But you can be more creative than we're going to run it directly into the teeth of the defense and then beat you with man ball. You don't have to do that. You can, you can do it other ways. Um, and so I think they have to figure that out. They have to figure out a way that actually makes sense for the personnel that they have. That isn't necessarily, you know, just boneheaded. We're going to try to be stronger than you kind of stuff, because that's, that has nothing to do with how tough you are as a team. That has nothing to do with like your strength on strength, blah, blah, blah. You just got to be smart about it. If you want to do a play action, fine. If it gets you two yards, who cares if you need one and it gets you two, that's, that's a victory. Um, so yeah, I just think they have to be a little more creative and uh, just aggressive, really just go for it and not in a way that's, you know, a, a, a decision that's basically been made by both teams. You don't want to, you don't want to see that. You don't want that to happen. It boggles the mind that Ohio State averaged eight yards a carry, 7.9 yards, almost eight yards per carry against Indiana. <laughs> but but when running it on those third and short situations. Right. You know, yeah, because they just, ran. What happened to the rest ran, of the, Yeah. They <laughs> ran every time calls? but one. I mean, that's the right. thing. You know, as, as I say, they had, they were two for seven on third and fourth down with two or less to go. Yeah. And, and they convert, I mean, you convert two out of seven attempts. You need two yards. You're averaging eight yards a carry, but 
six right. out Where of seven all those times that you tried, you only converted once because you know, they ran six out of seven of those third, third or fourth down attempts, and they only converted one of them. Like that's I just, you know, coach, that's you gotta, something. they gotta figure something out there. Well, and, and, you know, it's like you say, there's no mystery there. So like on that fourth and one attempt, you know, they line Mitch Rossi out there. Yeah. Like everybody what you knew what, you, you know, exactly what, what was going to happen there. There was no, yeah, no mystery whatsoever. So that, that's a problem. They're absolutely going to have to get that fixed. Uh, let's move on to the passing game because uh, how, who out there is better at this than Marvin Harrison Jr. at this stage of the ball game? Bolitnikoff favorite, I should hope at this point. Or am I yeah, wearing scarlet-covered glasses? No, I mean, I, I think in terms of pure talent, I mean, Joel Klatt, I I enjoy Joel Klatt generally. I think he's 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 pretty good at what he does, he's really and good. he he's he's uh he's good at finding like the stories and narratives within games, and then kind of like just giving you these info dumps. You're like, wow, this guy's really prepared. So I really appreciate that. However, I do think that he lays on a little thick at times. Um, but I gotta say, man, like. Is Marvin Harrison Jr. like, you know, getting all these crazy next level yards? Not necessarily. I mean, yeah, he has a ton of yards. I mean, let's he's he's like top 10. Uh, but there's a lot of guys who are kind of comparable to what he's doing, uh, at least in terms of pure yardage. But what's crazy is, first of all, um, the amount of touchdowns that he has is, is really high, combined with the fact that he is getting a lot of yards per catch, combined with the fact that he just seems the thing about Marvin Harrison. And I was thinking about this, like who, who do you compare him to? And I, I don't really love playing this game because I feel like, you know, in general players are all kind of their own unique thing, but I just keep thinking of Calvin Johnson when I see this guy mm. and Calvin Johnson, to be sure, very fast guy, you know, uber athletic, all this kind of stuff. But what made Calvin Johnson, Calvin Johnson is the fact that you're combining size with just unbelievable body control like the idea that this is a guy who you'll put a ball within five feet of the dude and he will contort his body do whatever he has to do position himself in such a incredibly immaculate way that not only will he be able to catch the ball but whoever's defending him has no opportunity whatsoever to defend it and that's how i feel about marvin harrison which is like he's not necessarily going to burn you but if that ball is anywhere close to his vicinity not only is he going to catch it but like it's safe you, you're not worrying about a turnover if it's no. near him because he's he's going to box out whoever is guarding him who's trying to like defend that pass and his size is going to make it virtually impossible to like easily like with smaller receivers what these dbs can do is they can defend both the man and the ball you know what i'm saying like yeah. they can go after the ball and also be semi-confident that if they do so they can take down like if they miss right and they go after the ball they can still take down the receiver and, and limit whatever damage happens you can't do that with marvin harrison no, <laughs> like right. if you want to play the ball fine but you better get it because if you don't get it he's big enough where he will shake your ass and then just run and then you're screwed mm -hmm. so I don't know. He reminds me a lot of Calvin Johnson in that sense that he's just this Megatron kind of dude who, you know, I mean, it's not, you put him on like a fade in the end zone against like a safe. That's not fair. Right. Like yeah. there's just, there's just too much that they can do with them in this offense. 
And the only thing that I'll say about him isn't even about him, which is that guys like Fleming need to make sure that they start catching some of these passes because, uh, and not, and not getting the dropsies, because if you can actually be consistent around that guy, then he's, he's a nuke. Like you can't, you, you cannot game plan for him. If the other guys are catching the balls that they're going to get, because he's going to be double or triple teamed. Um, that's it. That's, that's game set match. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you mentioned Fleming because he, he's a guy that you know when he first came back uh, from his injury hiatus, you know he he had some really good games right away. He did, yeah. And, and I feel like his last uh, few games have been less uh, than stellar. Yeah. Two catches for 24 yards versus Indiana, uh, long of 16. But I feel like he was targeted you know, six or seven times, mm-hmm. um, before, you know, out of those two where Harrison, you know, is more like seven catches out of nine targets or something like that, you know, is is a much, much higher catch rate. Uh, and, and so Fleming, you know, he's had in that previous game in particular, was like, God, he's got guys got feet for hands, you know, it right. was just really, really frustrating um yeah he had uh one catch for seven yards at uh northwestern you might say well okay that's not you know it's not huge uh a huge terrible game because everybody had a terrible game but at penn state two catches for 27 yards now iowa on the other hand you know fleming it was two for 105 michigan state it was four catches for 81 rutgers it was four for 51 was you know so all those games when he first came back he's getting 50 plus receiving uh and then it was like these last three games have been pretty disappointing by comparison so you know yeah he's a guy that's got to get it together i continue to be impressed with Emeka buka i think that guy is uh really i mean i called him the super solid he's the workhorse i think of that unit Mm -hmm. you know harrison is the harrison is the is the show horse he's the show pony uh he's gonna put on the show um egbuka just gets in there and gets his hands dirty and gets it done and I I love that because they're two totally different style of receivers and both sophomores, which is, I mean, like for guys to be able to make that kind of impact so quickly is, is pretty cool. I don't know. Pretty cool. Well, look, you know, when you've got, I was looking earlier at the list of, uh, you know, top rookies um, and the, the, the two guys with the most receiving yards as rookies in the NFL this year, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Hey, again, you want a commercial for why, if you're a top wide receiver, you should come to Ohio state, those two guys. But then when you look at as sophomores, Marvin Harrison and Mecca doing these incredibly insane things, uh, you know, why wouldn't you want to come and play at Ohio state when you can play in an offense that is going to make you look as good as you can possibly look. Yep. Yep. And that's, you know, and that's the thing, like, even if even if you get overshadowed by a guy like Marvin Harrison, you're still I mean, Emeka has has gone over a hundred yards like four times, five times this season, something like that. Yes. Um, it's not like he's not getting his. You know what I mean? Like this is a dude who can still ball out and and really, you know, get a lot of yards. Um, and that's the same with anybody. So that's that's the cool thing I think about this offense is that you've got so many different weapons. And at any point in time, they could go off. You just want to see guys like Stover and, and Fleming just be a little more consistent um, with what they're they're bringing to the table. I made the decision this week. I'm going to shift gears on you from Ohio State's exceptional offense to what I think is the story of the season, and that is Ohio State's absolute transformation on the defensive side of the ball. 
Jim Knowles, Perry Perry Eliano, Tim Walton, and the living legend Larry Johnson, uh, to me, have done nothing short of uh, paint the Sistine Chapel in terms (laughs) of monumental accomplishments that in 10 months' time would go from one of the worst defenses in college football, at least among the Power 5 teams, to legitimately a top five or close to top five defense. Really impressive. I made the decision this week in writing the debriefing on Sunday mornings that it's time for me to retire. I had made a uh, a fun new section in the debriefing this year of did the defense suck 30% less than it did last year? Uh, it was a playoff. The conversation we had here many, many times in the dubcast that I don't believe they need to be a top five defense to win championships with as good as Ohio State's offense is. They just need to suck 30% less than they did last year. Well, they have so far exceeded that very (laughs) low bar that I'm like, it's it's really inappropriate at this stage for me to keep asking this question. Did they suck 30% less? Because not only do they suck 30% less, but they may legitimately be, as Jim Knowles had said, a top five defense. Yeah. 269 total yards against Indiana, forced nine three and outs on 16 possessions. In other words, 56%. 13 of 16 possessions failed to generate at least 25 yards. Uh, stopped Indiana 14 of 17 times on third down. That's amazing. Seven stops on nine third down tries with uh, basically what you would call third and short. Really, really cool. I, I just continue to be impressed with this defense. Are they are they perfect? Are they invulnerable? No, they've got areas where I think people can try to exploit them. Certainly a Georgia, a Michigan are, are going to find vulnerabilities to attack. But overall... Oh, they're That's they're really greatly good. improved. They're definitely greatly improved. I don't, you know, I mean, a lot of it you could say is maybe a function of the offenses that they've played. I think that's a fair criticism. I think that's a good point. Um, they they have not taken on murderers row, <laughs> particularly lately, um, uh, when it comes to the offenses that they played. However, they've also shut down those teams when there's they've been supposed to. And and that's the thing, like, you know. In the past, and, and let's say in the past couple of years, and even under Urban Meyer, you would get into a situation where the offense just wasn't clicking, and you're like, all right, well, here we go, right? Because is the defense going to show up? I have not worried about that once this season. Um, I don't think that the defense is, is going to, you know, pitch a shutout every game or anything like that, or that they're, they're like you said, like they're definitely not flawless. Um, you know, you still have to worry about sometimes a, a team like Michigan capable of just lining up and, and, you know, bringing the ball down their throats. However, um, they're always going to put Ohio state in a position to win a game. And I've never felt this entire you know season, these past 10 games, that the defense is going to do anything but allow Ohio State a chance to win the game. And that's that's really all you want. And I think they're capable of doing that against pretty much any team. And that's the thing that I I think is such a change from last year because last year, like, well, all right, well, the offense better put up 50 points in this game because who knows what's going to happen in the defense. I don't feel that way anymore. So that level of confidence, I think, makes, a, it makes the games a lot more enjoyable to watch because, like, you know, can you imagine that Northwestern game with last year's defense? Oh, right? <laughs> Terrible. And how awful oh, you would feel geez. that entire game knowing that, yeah, Northwestern might actually pull it off like that. That 
would have been horrific to have to experience. As yeah. it was, it was a crappy game to watch, but you never really felt like Northwestern had no. a shot. No. Um, but that's because the defense has improved so much. And so, you know, yeah, you might give up 31 to Penn State, fine. Uh, but that's not, you know, that, that's not a reflection of of the closeness of the game. That's that's garbage time points, and Ohio State still controlled it throughout. So I don't know. It, it is night and day just in terms of the perception. I, I still think they still have a lot to prove um, against, you know, solid offenses. But um, as far as their mission to keep, you know, Ohio State undefeated and being a championship caliber team, I think that's mission accomplished. I think they were able to do that. There are only three times this season that they have allowed more than 20 points, which kind of blows my mind. So seven yeah. out of seven out of 10 games so far, 20 points or fewer. And, and really only one of those seven was 20 points. The rest of them all have been uh, in essence, 14 points or fewer, which uh, to, to me is fantastic. Now they haven't pitched the shutout yet, you know, so there are things like that. There's really only been uh, the one game where they held a team to single digits. That was Northwestern. Um, you know, we had a couple of 10 point games and one 12, 14, you know, so, but the fact that they've, they've by and large held teams in check uh, is, is what you would expect. Uh, you don't see this defense coughing up a 55 point, performance at iowa a a 40 some point performance to purdue you know those kind of teams they're they're doing the things that they're supposed to do uh which you know is which is is great and and hey you know by the way you know for what it's worth one of those teams that that uh uh, scored 21 points on them that's was toledo toledo Mm -hmm. might haul off and win the mac yeah, you know, uh, they're seven and three currently, five and one in conference. Um, well, and you look at like Notre Dame. Notre Dame was the team that everybody thought that you know basically had left for dead, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, they're not amazing, but they they maybe seven weren't and three. Quite as, uh, that's right, maybe they weren't quite as bad as we thought. Top top twenty, top twenty in the in the, in the polls this week. Uh, you know, so I'm I'm super impressed with this defense. I guess is the long and the short of it. I thought uh, Lathan Ransom. That guy had a fantastic game. Really... I mean, he's a, I think probably the most underrated player on the entire team right now. I would agree um, with that. He's a Thorpe Award. I know he's a Thorpe Award semifinalist. I don't think many people follow that until like you're actually invited to the mm-hmm. a ceremony. But um, he is really, I mean, we talked to Jones about this, but he's really just the linchpin of that defense. And he's playing at an incredibly high level. Um and and watching what he was doing against Indiana, I mean, he's just he's very very good at his his job right now. Punt block, right. yeah, guy that was gorgeous. I mean, he's everywhere. I mean, and and but really, it's the consistency in preventing. I mean, that's the thing about Noel's defense; it's that swarming defense, and it really relies on you know the bandit position and those basically those safeties and DBs mm-hmm. um, to swarm to the ball quickly. Um, and just kind of react instinctually and, and and limit those, especially those big edge plays. Um, and he's just doing ransom is doing an unbelievably good job of that. Rocket Ronnie Hickman and Tommy Eichenberg both had fantastic games with Steel Chambers. Uh, you know, ten stops. It was yep. uh, he paced the team. You know, so there's a guy who's really, uh, you know, has has stepped up and done a fantastic job. 
Um, I'm I'm and super- might have to be pressed back into running back service. Who knows? Any Christmas? No kidding. <laughs> I sit there thinking, you know, somebody was was talking there. Uh, the the week that Stover didn't look so great, you know, like well, maybe yeah. there's a reason he's played three different positions in three years. Actually, Steel Chambers has, I think, my favorite quote of any Ohio State player this season, where like somebody asked him, you know, what he was like as a as a running back, like what it was style was. And apparently and he was, and he was like, apparently not a very good one. <laughs> because I'm out here playing linebacker now. So I'm like, Oh, that's. And doing pretty well at it. Yeah. So I was like, gotta... no, don't, don't hate on yourself too much, man. Like you're, you're doing a great job. You're fantastic. Yeah. We named uh, the site named uh, Lathan ransom as the defensive player of the game. Uh, and, and Cameron Babb, offensive player of the game with good reason. Yeah, that good. Earlier, and we didn't talk enough about that. Everybody else can go to hell. Time. He's great. Yeah, uh, fan, yeah, fantastic story. And and you hope that we get to talk about him some more before the season's over. Just really, yeah. really wonderful. Another guy who got a big player uh, of the week honors, C.J. Stroud, again, named Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, not his, not his first rodeo. Uh, no. He's been Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, a few times this season already and several times over the course of uh, his career. See Stroud, I think this was his third. Yeah. His third uh, player of the week honor Marvin Harrison jr. Oddly enough has only been player of the week one once this season. Mm. Um, Seems strange to say that Tommy Eichenberg, Mayan Williams, Noah Ruggles and JT to Malowal. Uh, all Buckeyes who have been named Big Ten Player of the Week at some point during the season. Stroud Sawyer also it. had a really good game uh, against Indiana. I think this should be pointed out. That was that's a guy who people have been like, where where's this dude at? Well, okay, he had a second half and probably should have been two, um, and and looked great. So I I love to seeing you know I love it when guys like JT and Jack Sawyer and and whoever else you know Mike Hall just step up and you're like, oh holy crap, okay, these guys are pretty pretty good guys. By the way, real quick, uh. Ari CJ Stroud. Um, I think one of the things that people might have been a little concerned about was his uh carelessness with the ball a little bit uh, yeah. in the middle of the season because you had a stretch where he was throwing an interception, I think four straight games, has not thrown one um since uh Iowa in, in the middle of October. So I like seeing that. I feel like he's taking good care of the ball and, and making really smart decisions about where he's going with it. So um that's good to see. He's, yep, he's definitely people, locked in. People like to find nits to pick with him. Um, for That's whatever, true. For whatever reason. I, and I and I don't kind of get, I mean, I guess I go back to, you know, the, they're always going to do that to the quarterback at Ohio State. We didn't do this so much with Justin Fields. I feel like people sort of, there wasn't much to bitch about with Justin Fields. Um, you know, with Dwayne Haskins, people kind of made fun of the running because he looked like C-3PO running <laughs> and they've been used to having a JT Barrett who sure. ran the ball fantastically, but people, you know, Barrett was literally rewriting the big 10 record book, not just the Ohio state record book, the big 10 record book. And it was, well, we made fun of his arm strength or this, or that, you know, go, like, oh, he's a weenie passer and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I guess it's going to come with the territory, but I look at Stroud and I'm like this, this dude may be the best pure passer Ohio state's ever walked through the door. Yeah. And why are why are we so focused? I mean, at the beginning of the years, people were carping about his, oh, his body language or his, oh, he, you know, has this deer in the headlight look. And I'm like, y'all are just making up crap now 
I know. Yes. I think that's a great thing. I think that's an excellent way to put it. You're absolutely right about that. You're just, you're finding something, you're pulling it out of thin air to say that he is, you know, look at his face. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Right. You're you're trying to read tea leaves so you can feel justified and, and, you know, being upset about something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I super impressed with him this whole season uh, because even, even in the, even in the, Northwestern game when it's like, yeah, he had a pretty crappy game passing because it was 40 plus mile an hour wins. Yeah. But you know, Hey dude ran the ball pretty great when they needed him to. I, I feel like there's a lot of leadership qualities you see out of this kid that, you know, there's a reason that he has this wonderful rapport with these wide receivers. Cause he is uh, a good leader and they trust yeah. him and there's a lot of camaraderie there. And those are things that are a credit to him. I've been super impressed with him. I don't know if he's going to win the Heisman or not. I hope he does, whether he will or not, who knows uh, a lot of football to be played yet to decide that. All right. Yeah. Good wrap up of the Indiana game. We'll talk about Maryland here before the game's over, but this is a good time uh, to introduce our sponsor for the 11 dub cast. We've been talking about them the last several weeks. Uh, our friends at bet Jack, dot com uh the betjack parlay part of our sponsorship partnership with betjack.com uh and you know this has been a lot of fun johnny i've really been enjoying this betjack ohio sports book giving away two tickets to the ohio state michigan game on saturday november 26 plus a one night hotel stay here in columbus the paris of the midwest for more details on how to enter visit betjack.com or do what i did download the mobile app help you track your bets there betjack the only sports book designed by ohio sports fans for ohio sports fans we had a pretty pretty bold parlay lined up last week what do you have for us this week johnny you know what i this is an interesting week because there aren't like the huge marquee games but i think there's a lot of really interesting games and i actually want to start off with uh, TCU and Baylor TCU right now two and a half point favorites against Baylor it's at Baylor okay uh, but if you're looking at the spread I mean I I gotta go with TCU on this I, I think they easily cover that I you know when um, I see I don't understand like- why they're in I, I I look I know people I know people don't necessarily trust like their defense or whatever but like I feel like there's the, people have to have more faith in them now, right? I that just seems crazy to me. Well, and and that's what kind of gets like when I see a line like this that seems to me like something's wrong. I always wonder what does Vegas know that I don't? Yeah, like but Vegas had them as huge dogs against Texas, and they beat the tar out of them. Yeah, and and you know part of it is I look at the the ratings. This is another team where you have an exceptional offense. They're according to to Bill Connolly's SP Plus. They're the number six offense in the country, offensive efficiency. I should say it that way. But isn't the number 34 defense? And so I think there's this, maybe what we're seeing is some some trepidation where you have these sensational offenses and just okay defense. I mean, 34 is not terrible. Yeah. Um, not terrible. It's not, I mean, because Ohio State's last year was in the down in the, what, 70s or some crazy it was bad. like that. Um, but, uh, but I'm with you. I, I guess I have a lot more faith in TCU than that. Uh, if I were doing this via, if I were, figuring this out via SP plus, which is a metric that I usually like to use and, and rely on when I'm uh, making a bet, I'd give them eight and a half points on a neutral field. So yeah. I'd give them, I'd give them, I'd give them 12 uh, at home with this is at Baylor. So yeah, I guess you cut it. So you cut into this uh, two and a half points. So I call this, I give them six point favorites. I call TCU a six point favorite. Yeah. So I would too. yeah, I'm going to take the frogs on this one. 
I agree. And and look, like I, I shouldn't have said that they beat the crap out of Texas. It was 17 10. However, I mean, Texas, their their offense. Horns I mean, down, Quinn baby. Ewers, Horns down. Quinn yours is gonna get some things figured out. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, I think they easily get that. Uh, next one here. This is this is another interesting one, I think, um, just because of where these two teams are. Tennessee is 22 point favorites on South Carolina. They came out after that Georgia game and just went ham. Uh, Tennessee, I think, wants to they want to prove something right They're They're plus three touchdown favorites on that. I think they're going to just keep the pedal to the metal and, and they're going to hope that like they can backdoor this thing to get into the playoffs somehow. Um, I think they'll try to win by as many points as possible. And and I hate lines like that. Mm-hmm. Although that's not a crazy line, I guess it's not like 30 points. Where but, they play um, this game? Uh, this game is, this is at South Carolina. Uh, okay. All right. So, you know, again, figuring this I don't out, think it'll make that much of a difference. Frankly, it's uh, I think... six, 16 points is, is what uh, SP plus would call it. The line is 22. Yeah. So that's probably a little fat for me. I'll probably take the Gamecocks on this one, although they'll probably make a liar out of me um, because I totally agree with what you're saying. Like Tennessee's going to want to prove themselves, and that offense is really, really good. South Carolina's defense is not great. Uh, they're a very good special teams team, apparently, in terms of uh, special teams efficiency. Right. Um, uh, so I, I, I struggle with this one, um, for the reasons, you, cause I think you make a great case. Tennessee is in theory, the most efficient offense in the country. Uh, but 22 is a lot. 22 is a know. lot. I feel like they can do that. I honestly, like what, what we saw at a Tennessee last weekend. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like they're, they're going to be able to, to cover that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Gamecocks. Uh, okay. and I'll probably regret it next week. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know. I just, th- honestly, like it really, and I don't want Tennessee to have success, but they just hung 66 in Missouri and granted Missouri is not very good, but neither is South Carolina. So yeah, I don't, I don't South know. Carolina. We'll see. You're probably right. Uh, okay. So this next one, this is Utah at Oregon, Oregon, three and a half point favorites. What do you think? I, you know what? I think the fighting Whittinghams, you gotta be, you gotta be careful with those dudes. <laughs> And um, the fact it's on the road for them. So that, that makes it a little harder. I don't know that this is an intriguing one to me because I really feel like it go either way. Um, But I am actually going to give that one to Utah. I think I love that. At least with the points. I love that. You call that the fighting Whittinghams. That's so good. They should actually Uh, change their name to that. Yeah, they should. They absolutely should. Uh, What'd you say the line is on this again? Three and a half. Oh God, that's tight. Okay, it is. Um, and so, if I run the numbers on this, it, so the the Bo Nix Heisman campaign has has been uh, has been fun to watch. Utah. Yes. I mean, this one's super close uh, in terms of their offensive efficiency or their uh, SP plus. Like, it's a dead heat. Utah is nineteen points. Uh, mm-hmm. Oregon is eighteen point seven. I mean, they're super super close. Oregon number three offense, but it's the number fifty nine defense. Utah much more balanced team. 18, mm-hmm. 18th ranked offense, uh, 25th ranked defense. But they got uh, go to go to Watson. But they got to go to Watson. And so that that's going to, you're going to give them two and a half points. That's really close. God, that's really close. Uh, yeah. Man, that's tough. I'm going to go with Utah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, last one. This is probably my favorite one. <laughs> Not because it has any real national significance, just because 
I don't know. I kind of hope it goes the way I wanted to go. <laughs> but uh, UMass at Texas A&M, how fall can the Aggies or how far can the Aggies oh fall? God. They're 33 and a half point favorites. I think they're going to win. I, I'm not I'm not, you know, shocking anyone by saying but the Aggies win. But I, I think that UMass gets in under that. And maybe it's a lot closer because I think I think the Aggies are in complete chaos mode right now. I, I think they they just have no idea what's going on. And Jimbo is out here blaming his team, saying the scheme's great, the execution's bad. I feel like they're demoralized. Um again, they're gonna win that game, but I think it's closer than the line, and that's gonna be very funny to me. Yeah, UMass is literally the least efficient team oh they're the terrible country. they are just completely 131 trash. out of 131 absolute uh, garbage it's it, it, they're one and nine you said the line is how much 33 and a half 30 yeah they're going to cover that uh okay it's as bad as the aggies i are. really hope they don't because i be... do too i i agree with you um and and i will tell you this like a lot of my uh a lot of my friends in my social feed are aggie alumni booster uh you know types and like there is a lot of unrest in that fan base which will not surprise you but but this is when you're spending the kind of money that they are spending on oh jimbo God. fisher uh you know i what is this buyout like 90 million dollars like uh, it's ob- like- i mean it's obscene it, it is it is really obscene and and yeah, it's bad, but I still think they will. I still think they will cover that because UMass is so bad; they're terrible. You know what? And and look, if this is a betting proposition, that I think you're probably making the correct call. <laughs> However, what I hope for, yeah, what I'm willing I mean, to put ten dollars on. I and, and you know, look <laughs> under normal circumstances, I would not be at all interested in UMass at Texas A and M in <laughs> mid November. But this is actually going to be one of the most interesting games for me all weekend. So I'm I'm very excited for that. I'm very excited. Where, where are they playing? This is at, this is this is at a this is at College Station. So yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the Aggies I mean, are not traveling. Yeah, to no, no. I, I don't know why I started to ask that question as soon as the words came out of my mouth. I'm like, you idiot. <laughs> I I had forgotten uh, until you brought this game up that it's chicken shit Saturday. Hell yeah, it is. It is the SEC's annual chicken shit Saturday festival. And, and, and I'm here for it. I would, I would take, I would take the Aggies clear up to probably 38 and a half uh, on this one. I I think, yeah, I hope they melt down completely because uh, I want all the bad things for Jimbo Fisher. Cause I just think he is a not great, not great human being and i mean not that that's not that he has a monopoly on that in college football sure. uh there are a lot of not great human beings coaching major college college football programs but yeah if they could melt down that would be fantastic i just don't think it's going to happen yeah i don't think so either but yeah those are the, those are the picks so i i hope that uh i hope the dabo or not dabo dabo jimbo same yeah, they're the same it yeah, ends same, in an same person same person. same person i mean really it's, it's they're cut from, from the, the same, same petri dish it's, cut, it's okay. cut from the same bolt of of uh yeah whatever the hell they're made out of okay yeah, good stuff that's the bet jack parlay again remember uh bet jack the only sports book designed by ohio sports fans for ohio sports fans download the app or visit bet jack dot com all right time for ask us anything what do we have in the mailbag my friend all right well we want to remind you that you can ask us 
literally anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com and and like i said i mean it's it is it is of course we're getting to the nitty-gritty of the season so i I, you know we definitely want to encourage the serious questions but if you have if you have anything that might be crazy or goofy go ahead and send those in too we like them as well all right so let's go ahead and uh, get this from kevin is Cameron Babb catching a touchdown pass the type of come-together moment that could win a natty? Interesting. You, you know, know what? I think this is a super tight team to begin with. I do. And um, you can kind of tell just the way they, they talk about each other and whatnot. And not in like a, I love my bros kind of way. It's it's more like they really do feel like, I don't know. The way to I would put it is if you've got... Uh, kind of a family that isn't necessarily like effusive about each other, but you kind of feel like you're, you're going to be with these guys for life. And then that's how I feel about when I see them talk about these dudes, especially, you know, when they talk about like Tommy Eichenberg, like, yeah, I, I want that dude with me on a dark alleyway. It's not, it's not like an effusive, like he's the greatest person in the world. It's just a statement of fact. And so I feel like that's how these guys are with each other, that they they've reached this level of comfortability where it's like, they're going to lose their minds at something like Cameron Babb, you know, scoring a touchdown because of course they would have. It's not like they have to celebrate because they, they celebrate that guy on a regular basis anyway. So I just, I don't know. I think it's a pretty cool moment. Um, but I think for them, that's, that's a matter of course, I guess. Yeah. I, you could just tell the, the, the joy on the sidelines for that guy that it was, it was really all about him. I, I feel like this team, yeah, I'm with you 100%. You heard CJ Stroud talking in his uh, post-game comments about take a bullet for the guys on this team. You know, when there was talk about it, people were picking at Stroud here a few weeks ago when he was talking about um, he didn't come to Ohio State for any coach he came for and he listed the guys, you know, that were part of his recruiting yeah. class. And and that wasn't a slight. People interpreted that as a slight against the coaches. When it wasn't, it was him no. saying, "I love these guys." And I do think that we probably, I mean, eleven words. I think we probably could have been more clear about that, honestly, because people do look for any kind of, you know, excuse to like start drama or whatever. But you're right; it wasn't. It absolutely was not that. And yeah, I think that's no, important it was a it out. was a statement of how much he loves his teammates. Yeah. And and why they are all playing. And you, I mean, you can see a lot of these guys in the recruiting process. You can tell that they have formed relationships and, and bonds and, and whatnot. And it's, you know, it's really kind of cool. Uh, so no, I, I don't think this is a thing that will necessarily, if they go off and, and win an Addy, it, it won't be because of this moment, really cool, yeah. great moment, but this will not, I don't think be the thing that suddenly, you know, changes things and now all of a sudden yeah. they're a championship team. I agree. Uh this one's from Joshua F. What is on your Mount Rushmore of Dairy Queen treats? Oh he says his, his would be Oreo Blizzard. Hard agree. Oh my gosh. That's very strong agree on that one. Twist cone, peanut butter parfait, and a dilly bar. You know what's ironic about you know, the the mention of the Oreo Blizzard being first? Uh and I didn't really realize it until he said that. When when I I absolutely love an Oreo McFlurry, you know, the yeah. one time out of 20 that the McFlurry uh, machine is working at McDonald's, <laughs> uh, yeah. I absolutely love an Oreo McFlurry, but I didn't realize it until now. I never order 
an Oreo Blizzard at Dairy Queen. Oh my god, dude! I don't know that, why. That's, that's I don't my know go why. to. So, do you know what my go to is? So, the 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 number one thing is it I would the say, Reese's. No, I would say I, which I love Reese's cups. So, my God, why aren't I? Why am I not ordering these things? Uh, uh, Reese's cups and Reese's pieces, both. Those are two of my favorite candies. Uh, the thing I order, I would say, ninety percent of the time. I mean, it's probably literally 90% of the time we go to Dairy Queen is the banana split blizzard. I don't even know if they put that on the signboard anymore. Uh, So number two on my Mount Rushmore would be a banana split. Mm -hmm. And the Dairy Queen banana split to me is the way a banana split is is intended to be made. Uh, When I first moved to Columbus and would go to Graders and would order a banana split at Graders and they'd say, okay, like ask what kind of ice cream you wanted. I was, I looked at them like, well, why, why are you asking this question? It's, a banana split is supposed to be vanilla ice cream with pineapple and hot fudge and strawberries. Like, <laughs> you should not be asking me what options I want on a banana split. I didn't understand that you could make a banana split other way. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it really threw me for a loop. So so my Mount Rushmore would be, yes, um, the banana split blizzard, uh, the banana split itself, uh, dilly bar for sure. Love a dilly bar. And you know, I don't, I don't know that I have ordered anything outside of that sort of trifecta. I mean, it is Dairy Queen. We're not talking about like you know, a, it ain't thirty-eight, it ain't thirty-six. It's not, it's not Cheesecake Factory. You know what I mean? Like, like that's pretty much the only things I order. Uh, most of that is because I'm a creature of habit, so that I, I get this thing that I like, and I just keep getting that thing. So I'm sure that the answer to the fourth thing would probably be like some other flavor of Blizzard. I have tried other flavors of Blizzards. They had one they were promoting a while ago, like this summer. I'm trying to remember what it was now, but it was some, you know, like hot chocolate, like frozen hot chocolate brownie batter. Oh, sure, yeah, Blizzard or something like that. Like it was fine. It was good. But if you said, hey, Andy, you want to meet up tomorrow and go to Dairy Queen, uh, get lunch, I'd probably just get a banana split blizzard. <laughs> there you go. You know what? I um, First of all, Joshua, that's an excellent Mount Rushmore. Oh, um, oh, wait, I know what my fourth thing would be. Oh, what is it? So, and this is so weird and random uh, because I haven't had it, I bet, in 25 years. All right. When I was a kid, the Dairy Queen in Hillsborough, Ohio, out on Route 50 by the stockyards, uh, old school style Dairy Queen. There was no like going into the Dairy Queen. Like it was a walk up window. Be they, they did eventually build a drive through window. But I mean, when when we first started going there, you parked your car and walked up to the window. Uh, the guy that owned the place was named Howard Ellis. Super nice man. Had been there for a hundred years. And up until I would say probably when I went off to college, like you were only working at the Dairy Queen if you were a nice looking young high school, college age female. Like, sure. It was very stereotypical, small town ice cream shop, right? Like Howard knew how to run a an ice cream shop that, that people would come and spend money at. He ran a really great shop. And his method of doing business was so funny. There was no set closing time. Howard would kind of like, we used to joke, he would walk out to the edge of the of the highway and us 50 is a pretty busy route and and he would kind of look look left look right and if he could see headlights in the distance <laughs> they were staying open you know like it was he was going to stay open as long as there was money to be made there there was no set closing time but there was this ice cream uh there was this milkshake they called the folly special and mr folly was the voag teacher at the high school and he had come in one day and had this 
this like concoction of a milkshake is not on the menu at any other Dairy Queen that you could ever go to because they would have no idea what you're talking about if you went and said you wanted a Folly special. But it was a mix of like hot fudge, butterscotch. Um, it had pecans in it, and it was probably like something else. There were like three or four things that you wouldn't necessarily just be like, oh yeah, I want a chocolate milkshake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was the best milkshake I've ever had, and you could only get it at the Hillsboro Dairy Queen, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, it was very good. So that would be that would be my fourth thing on my Dairy Queen Mount Rushmore. And I haven't had it in 25 years because I'm sure that there is no one left living or working at that <laughs> Dairy Queen who knows how to make a folly special. But it was amazing. Nice. Uh, I like that. That's very specific. The only thing that I would add is uh, I like their dip cones and their soft serve in general is is legit. Soft but, serve is good. Soft serve yeah, is very good. Very good. But I like that. I like the dip cones. Those are very tasty. Um, okay. So this is from Kevin. Are you surprised the college football playoff committee placed Ohio state second this week? Mm-hmm. No, I, I'm not surprised um, because I, because that's where I would have put them, I, I guess. Um, I, I I don't know that I'm ready to move them up to number one yet. Uh, nah. and part of the, and part of that's because part of that honestly is because I'm I'm of the mind like Georgia hasn't given me a good enough reason to move them down. No, as, I as, mean, and as, they've played very well. I mean, they yes. they're they're yes. I think legitimately number one team. I, I think that's, that's I think they're at where they're at. For I, I don't think that you have to put the defending national champion at number one to start the season, let alone no. to, to, you know, just keep them there until they lose. Like, I don't think you have to do that. If they look like crap, bump them down. Georgia has looked the part of a yeah. defending national champion that you would expect to be a favorite going into the playoff. Uh, have they, have they, you know, beat everybody by 70 points every game? No, but I also live in the real world and don't think it's just like Ohio state. I can look at Ohio state and say, they are clearly one of the best two or three teams in the country. And say, yeah, they've thrown some games that were just kind of like, meh, they haven't really thrown, you know, again, they haven't done the Urban Meyer thing of throwing out a total shitstorm like Iowa or Purdue those years. Right. Uh, but yeah, they've thrown out, and I wouldn't even call them clunkers. Like there's, they've just been, eh, they've, they've been a couple of meh games, but they've still, there's only been once or twice where you've been like, oh my gosh, they're in trouble. Right. right. So they've looked for the most part like one of the best two or three teams in the country. So who am I going to move above them and why? You know, that's, you have to ask the question, like, what would be your rationale? You're going to put Michigan ahead of them? I I, I guess you could do that, but Ohio State has a stronger strength of record at this point than Michigan does. Who's Michigan beaten? You know, and and yeah, well, and could... and how have they looked doing it too? Because they've they've really struggled in the first half against pretty much the last like yeah. five teams they've played. Right. So if you've you know, and yes, they've turned it on, but honestly. At this point, if you're just trying to figure out ranks one through three in the college football playoff, mm-hmm. then you're just going to yep. look at the team that has been the most complete. And I think Georgia is pretty clear number one on that just yes. because they've been so consistent. They are the defending champs. And then Ohio State, I think you have to put over Michigan just because of how they've been able to finish you know, or start games and finish games, whereas Michigan is – finish these games really strongly, but you always have this sense that like, okay, well, if they played a team with a pulse offensively, they could be in real trouble if they don't figure things out until the third quarter. And and I um, look at the team too. The, the other thing I look about with Ohio state is when you look at, you know, some of their vulnerabilities, uh, you, you know, you could look and say, Oh gosh, they really struggled to run the ball. Yeah. Three games in a row. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, they've had this sort of revolving door of injuries at the running back position. So you can sort of like be like, not an excuse, but you can, but you can piece together the, okay, what's the story here? What's, what's, what's right. happening? You know, let's, let's lift the hood and check the oil. What's going on here? Uh, and, and I think you could do that with that team pretty handily and you can, and you can sort of understand and look and say, you know what, even with mine Williams banged up and off the field and crutches, they come out and Dallin Hayden runs for a hundred yards, you know, even with Travion Henderson on the side, a lot of teams, Travion Henderson gets sidelined and, and they're done. You know, the team's done. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, hell's bells. We're four deep here now because you can count Evan Pryor and you know, but like you're you're down three running backs, right? <laughs> and and they still go out and and have guy number four runs for a hundred and some yards. So yeah, I'm not surprised they put him number two. Um, if they hadn't put him number two, it would have you know it would have really been a case of my God, they're trying to manufacture drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I think and, that's... and 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 as much as I want to gripe about the committee and some of the crap that they've pulled over the years i don't really truly think well and i think this year there's there's very little that people can kind of complain about i think they've they've done it right almost every week i mean they, i think they've done a really good job yeah so but that that's that's fair to say uh okay this one's from ken who says day needs to go to the long board long ball more often if we were to go far in the playoffs long ball is our best chance we have the quarterback and the receivers to do it i also think jackson needs to gut it out for the rest of the year tired of hearing him being scratched every game all right the latter thing you have no idea i have no idea about his actual health and frankly if I I very much doubt that that dude isn't doing everything in his power to get back on the field. Um, I am sure that he is working day and night to make sure that he's rehabbed well, and, and well, do what fr- he can. Frankly, part of the reason he's still banged up is because I think he wanted to get he on did. the field sooner than he needed to. Yeah, so I think it's have. silly to say that like he needs to gut it out. Like He has got to get out, and I promise you that if he is at all able to play for like the Michigan game and his family's talked about this, if he's at all able to play in these critical games, he will play. Um, so I, I, I really hate it when people like cast aspersions on, on players and go like, Oh, they're just not trying hard. Like, you have no idea. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think that's fair, especially to him, to a guy who is, you know, really like we've seen what he's capable of doing. He is not a lazy player. He is not no, a guy right. who, you know, is not a team player. I mean, that's, that's silly to me. And, um, and not for nothing, but I mean, this situation is costing him. It's could be costing him real adult money. Yes, here, right? absolutely. You know, where he falls in the first round as a first rounder, if he falls in the first round, you know, if he falls out of the first round into a high second round, like these are, th- these are real adult money issues on the table here so yeah he's not just sitting there playing you know space invaders because he doesn't want to get his ass off exactly no not not a thing exactly right and so the other part here that uh day needs to go to long more more often i actually do agree with that a little bit um i will say however that i think um they you know look a college football coach any football coach wants to win in the surest way possible and you've got guys who can turn 20 yard passes into 80 yard touchdowns. So take the higher percentage throw that, you know, you have a chance to do that as opposed to, you know, maybe showing your ass too much too early. And then, you know, when you have to play games against like Michigan, whoever um, th- there's less of that threat. So I, I actually think that, um, for some of these games, like against Michigan, the Big Ten Championship, you'll see more of that, in part because they've been holding it back a little bit. 
One of the things I find really interesting about this question, and it's a good question or a good comment, I guess, not really a question so much, um, is the variety of wishes that we have as fans in the Ohio State fan base. Like you have you have people who have been apoplectic these last three weeks or prior to the Indiana game because Ohio State couldn't just run the ball down everybody's throat or wasn't just you know, lining up, running between the tackles and beating the holy living daylights out of people like, oh, days become two. He's, he's, he's an air raid offense. He's, oh, God, this is a Big 12. He's turned this into a Big 12 program. Yada, 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 yada. Uh, we need to go back to power and old school. And you'd think they damn near wanted to bring trestle ball back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then so you get this question that is an essence or this comment that is an essence. Just run four verts, <laughs> you know. Just <laughs> yeah. Why don't why don't why don't do we do more of the Mike Leach stuff? Just do that. And I'm like, wow. Get you know, it's it's a it's a great it's a great reminder that in a fan base this huge, there's going to be a fair bit of diversity of thought out there. Uh, they've absolutely got the weapons to do it, right? I mean, they've absolutely got. As I was saying earlier, I think one of the best pure passers, you've got uh, the best wide receiver in the country, in my opinion, two of the best in the country for sure uh, in in uh, Harrison and Igbuka. Uh, and then you have this other cast carry. you got Cade Stover out here with multiple games now, multiple touchdowns as a, as a tie, pass catching tight end. Uh, Julian Fleming certainly has the skills to go out there. You'd love to have JSN back in the slot doing some of the things that mm-hmm. you, know, you, you know he can do in the middle of the field, but... I I'm really curious to see because this is all about this is all about Michigan. It's all about Michigan. How Day chooses to attack them and and how much Michigan sells out to make Ohio State one dimensional. My assumption is going to be they're going to try to stymie the passing game because they don't think Ohio State can run against them. That's sort of well, my assumption. I don't I mean I don't know. To, that's a very dangerous proposition. If I'm sure Michigan, it is, though. because the thing is, like, you can try, you can just drop it, you can go to quarters, whatever you want to do, fine. Um, the problem really is, is that when you have a guy like Stover who is capable of of eating you up inside, like, you want to just prevent that long pass. That's really not Ohio State's bread and butter, and so you're going to have guys cutting off their routes halfway through you know as part of a design play and it's just i don't know i to me that's i don't know you've got to try to get after cj stroud if you if you want to drop back and just kind of hope that he won't pick you apart you that's more power to you man but i just don't think that's the way to try to get him um but i wouldn't be surprised if that's really what they end up doing is just saying like you know what we're going to trust our defensive line to get pressure and not you know do a lot of blitzing and and just see if we can do contain. But I, I think that's the way to lose the game if you're Michigan. Um, last thing here, this is from our good friend Alvin, who wants to know, when we're watching uh, television slash movies, uh, are we are we subtitles guys or not? Do we do we try? Do we like the subs? No. I How don't do we feel about that? No, I don't. Do, I mean, foreign language film. <laughs> I, I for me, it's for me, no. it's whether or not uh, baby is sleeping. <laughs> oh, good call. Baby is sleeping, then yes. If baby is not sleeping and or not in the house, then no. I'll I'll crank that sucker up. But yeah, if it's late weird. night and we're, we're yeah, there's and and I have to say too, you know, on that subject, that's an interesting parenting thing. Uh, when we were kids, and so I grew up in a relatively small single story ranch house. Mm-hmm. Uh, dad liked to stay up late and watch John Wayne movies, and I say late, I mean you know, like ten, eleven o'clock after his kids needed to be in bed. Dad had the philosophy that 
and this is, you know, this is sort of an older generation sort of philosophy, but the adults didn't need to orient their behavior to the children. Like oh, now, yeah. like you, you, our generation as parents, and certainly the generation sort of, you know, that's a few years older than us as parents, sort of adopted this philosophy that you, everything revolves around the children. Mm-hmm. And so you moderate your behavior, your activities, where everything is centered on the children. So if the kids are asleep, everybody needs to be quiet and, you know, so on and so forth. Dad's philosophy was, no, the kid needs to sleep whether or not dad's in the living room watching John Wayne movies at full volume or not. Uh, yeah. and in my bedroom was the first room down the hall from the living room. Again, very small uh, you know, one story house, everything was kind of right on top of each other. So yeah, when I went to bed at night, I could hear the television in the living room and hear, you know, Rooster Cogburn, uh, screaming, fill your hand, you son of a bitch, you know, and nah. so, like that. The great thing about that is I can now sleep anywhere, anytime. Sure. Where I married a very light sleeper. Uh, and, and so I am constantly thankful to my dad that I can get on an airplane Put my, you know, I don't even have to put my Bose headset on, my my qual- my ear uh, noise-canceling headphones. I can just, you know, close my eyes and sleep. Yeah. I, it's And so, like, we do, we're, I guess, also sort of doing that where we sit and watch TV. We don't listen to it at low, you know, at low volume. Now, our kid's a bit older than yours. You're just thankful to get some yeah, sleep. I'm about to say, I mean, yeah, look, this is more for I understand you. the philosophy here. <laughs> I also want to point out that when 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 baby's 15 months old, uh, they don't care. It's, it's like, you know, you're and I will say we we were not um, when he was really young, when our son was really young, we, we did not do like, well, we must keep a silent house. Yeah, like yeah. dog would bark. You know, sure. we live near we live near train tracks. So we hear the train all the time. And, you know, it was it's fine. And he he's a pretty sound sleeper. Um when there's like excess noise he's not you know definitely not at the drop of the hat will he wake up but um the problem is is that this is this is the real reason why i mean it is yeah we want to keep it down you know when if it's like 10 or 11 o'clock at night um but also because they modulate the sound on these things so weirdly that like you know some the dialogue will be really low and then the the action will be really high and so we just say screw this we're just going to keep everything kind of low and because if you know we put it at normal levels and all of a sudden there's an explosion that rattles the house because mm-hmm. everything else is so freaking mixed weird so yeah we'll just keep it lower and then keep the subtitles on if it's late at night because we just don't want to deal with the headache of having to constantly lower and raise the volume of the tv which is just huge i don't know how this happens it, it i don't know it's a huge pain in the ass but yeah that's that's basically my philosophy on that typically though i am not a subtitles guy the other thing that kind of drives me crazy uh on the 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 audio mixing modulation thing is so so we do almost all of our tv watching now through the apple tv that's plugged in everything the difference in volume between apps like you oh know, yeah my kids yes, be watching yes. something on netflix like you know a kid show on netflix or something and then i'll switch over to something on disney plus and have to change the volume yeah. like 10 notches you know whatever you want to say like the volume up or down 10 Super weird units uh yeah and it's like what how is this so different the same device plugged into the same television um yeah it drives me crazy, drives yep. me crazy. all right so that's ask us anything this week thank you for sending those in those are excellent and we'll uh, keep answering them 
All right, good stuff, friends. Let's finish this thing up with a discussion of the game ahead. Ohio State travels to Maryland as a 25-point favorite. We'll get our score predictions uh, momentarily. But I thought this was interesting, Johnny. The poll question on Monday at 11warriors.com, a fine website I read for Buckeye coverage, posed the poll question, does Maryland pose a threat to beat Ohio State on Saturday before I tell no. you the results of the poll. Okay, all right. So your answer is no. That was my answer, and I didn't feel like it took much thought to come up with that. What would you guess, maybe you've already looked at this, but what would you I guess was the balance of responses? What percentage of people said, yes, Maryland poses a threat to beat Ohio State Saturday? You know what? I'm going to say around 30%. I feel like people are being slightly nervous here going 39%? Yeah, like I'm not shocked four- by that. Four out of 10 readers. And I assume for one thing, I assume that the 11 warriors reader is, is uh, smarter than the average bear smarter than the average Buckeye fan. Like, because uh, we, but that's it, the nature of Ohio state fans, man. Like, oh. and this is, and I've been racking my brain about this all year. Cause I, I watch you know, Michigan, right. And, and these, and I, I read a lot of Michigan content and yes. follow Michigan writers and stuff and a lot. And I see what their fans are saying and they are like so high on their own supply. And, you know, I wrote in the threat level about how poor their passing game's been basically since the big 10 season started for Michigan. I mean, it's, it's bad. Like they're mm-hmm. like basically 110th in the country uh, against conference opponents. I mean, they're, they're bad. Like uh, just in the passing game, it has not gotten better. It's gotten worse in the past month. Um, and if that were at Ohio state, right. And, and you can even maybe compare this to this, situation with the running game Ohio State fans would be losing their nut I mean absolutely just like fire everybody Ryan Day's not the guy what's going on here this is disgusting like people would be furious Michigan fans are kind of like it's not a big deal it's fine who cares and I'm like I don't I don't know where this is coming from Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that to me just kind of speaks in the, to the difference between the two fan bases, because like, even though this is a team that I think Ohio State's going to annihilate uh, because Ohio State fans, you know, hyper focus sometimes, uh, you know, too much, but definitely do this on, on the things that Ohio State needs to improve on as a football team that I think you're, you're willing to see a large portion of the fan base, maybe, maybe make Maryland, the Terrapins and do a threat. Um, and so that's, that's just the thing that I notice about this, because like, if this were, if, you know, us Michigan fans about this, like, no, hundred percent, no way. Absolutely not. You know, we're, we'll dominate, but Ohio state fans are a lot more skeptical of that and a lot more willing to uh, look at Ohio state's deficiencies. Yeah. I think people are absolutely out of their minds on this. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, no, I Ohio don't. state's gonna, they're going to block. I know, they, they are. Uh, I mean, I mean, and, and, you know, the the line here, as I say, is uh, uh, twenty five points. Um, boy, I don't know if it'll be that close. You know, when I when I look at Maryland, you know they they are bowl eligible for the second straight year. That's great. Um, you know, Mike Loxley's done really good things there, but but they have played two real stinkers back to back at Wisconsin. They lost uh, 23 to 10. And then a week later get shut out by Penn state 30 to zero. Now yeah, that was at that's Happy the, Valley. That's, that's the real place bad to play. One. I mean, yeah, they're, they're going in the wrong direction, back to back losses, and they're playing the best offense they've played all season long. Penn state shut them out. Ohio state's defense is at least as good as Penn state's in my opinion. Uh, so boy, I, I think it's going to be really hard for them. That's why I think it's just totally irrational 
to think that Maryland poses any kind of threat to the Buckeyes. Yeah, what what would you give a score on this? Yeah, this is I really I'll be honest, I really struggled last week's prediction. I I clocked in I think at uh, 56-10. Um uh, so I got you know missed it a little bit. Um I'm I'm going to go this time I'm going to call it 49-10. Uh, Ohio State hasn't – I want to call for the shutout since Penn State did it, but Ohio State hasn't done that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think Ohio State has a better defense than than Penn State did. God knows they have a better offense. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go 49-10. Okay, I think that's that's reasonable. Uh, since coming back from injury, Tagovailoa has looked really bad. Um, he has been just just garbage. Uh, so I don't I don't see this as being close. And because of that, I think that gives Ohio State a lot of opportunities to score points. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go 54 seven. Um, I think they just I think they crush him. I, I don't think this will be close. Um, and hopefully, and and we'll see maybe what the health of the you know running backs are and what that looks like. But I think uh, CJ has a field day on this one. So yeah, I think that's the other reason that I'm probably not calling for like you know a 63 to to 10 kind of victory because um, I think you know you don't need to rush back. Mind Williams and Travion Henderson. That's true. Like you know, good you, point. I think you can put some of those guys on the shelf. Any any guy that you're at all remotely worried about, injury wise, that you know you're going to need for Michigan. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're going to see some different guys play because um, you're not going to need uh, a few of those those big guns. So it would not surprise me at all for Dallin Hayden to start the ball game. Maybe he won't. Maybe maybe Chop will be back just to prove that he's not dead. I I don't know, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll see. Yep. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a fun outing. Agreed. All right. We'll be back to report on it. Kickoff at three 30. Uh, not another, not another big nooner game will be on ABC. So, uh, that'll be a, will we'll be a change of pace. Um, we'll talk about it then. We'll see how we did on our bet. Jack parlay until next week. I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us for the 11 Betcast. cast.